Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. So if you're interested in learning feng shui, Chinese astrology, all things Chinese metaphysics, as well as the superstitions and myths that connect it all, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. Welcome to part two of Feng Shui for the year of the water rabbit. Today, we're going to talk about some of the negative energies that are visiting and how to kind of manage and navigate them and also how to kind of absorb them and, you know, keep them under control. Let's look at that in today's episode. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how to enhance some of the good energies, how we're kind of limited a little bit, but you know how we can learn to actually navigate these energies. So if you missed um, that episode, that episode actually came out on um, January 13th. So go check back a January 13th episode. So today we're going to look at some of the energies that are visiting that are really said to be a little bit more negative. Um, Specifically, we're looking at flying stars for the year. Um, flying stars, again, it's just a energy that visits um, these flying stars move around to each different sector. So if you think of your home being um, sectioned out into like a little pie shaped grid, um, each representing the one of the you know directions. So it'd be north, south, east, west or northwest, southwest, southeast, southwest. So it'll be one of the eight directions. Um, it'll just kind of be labeled, right? So the flying stars each year are energies that visit and they kind of hop around each year. Um, there's a lot of different ways flying stars move, but one of the things that we kind of look at really is um, the yearly energy and then we can kind of tweak it down monthly. And that's when I kind of come in with those monthly energy updates looking at, you know, how we can kind of uh, navigate the energies, um, not just for the year, but for each month. So when we're looking at the yearly energies, this is an energy we're going to want to, um, you know, either tap into for the year, or maybe it's a sector we want to leave quiet and calm for the year. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about making what are called feng shui cures and adjustments for the sector to navigate some of these energies that come in that aren't so positive. So Um, let's start, I think, with, uh, just looking at the flying stars. Okay. So generally when we look at flying stars, there's five stars that are fairly positive and, you know, they're preferable when we talk about activating flying stars or using flying stars. These are usually the energies that people want you to use. So then there's, um, four energies that are not so positive. And these energies, um, specifically are the flying star number two, which is associated with illness. The flying star number three, which is usually associated with conflict and uh, maybe fighting. The flying star number five, that is associated with instability, but also sometimes is known to cause sickness or make unusual things happen. And then the flying star number seven is, um, it's it's not a horrible star, but it really can um, indicate that you may have like some legal disputes or um, some you know, you may offend somebody like it's that type of energy. So generally when we're looking at flying stars, we don't like to um, activate and use the sectors that these flying stars are visiting um, for the year. So looking first at the flying star number two, that is visiting the east this year and it is generally associated with illness. So this could be an area, especially if you use it a lot, you can put either um, the element of metal. Remember that there's some other energies there this year. The rabbit does 
is um, represented in that east sector also. So it also has what is called the Tai Soi for the year or the energy that governs the year. So this is an energy that we can kind of manage by using a metal in the area. So you can use a um, silver or, or not silver, a um, coin charm so a seven coin charm so make sure it has seven coins on it and you can just stick it there in the east or you can add a little salt cure and I'm going to talk about salt cures at the end and how you can make those if you've never made them before Next we have visiting the southeast is the flying star number three. So flying star number three, again, generally associated with conflict. However, if you do have somebody in your home that is a sports player, you know, maybe they um, are very active, um, this isn't actually a bad sector for them to use. So the three to me is kind of usable sometimes. It's not always a bad thing. Um, and you could add a salt cure to the area, but it's not generally necessary. I do not believe it'll cause too many problems in in the southeast. After being able to use the Northeast all year for the eight flying star last year, the seven star moves in. And remember that seven star, it does um, represent like legal issues or um, as conflict and stuff like that. And it can also represent gossip. So, I mean, you know, it's not really an area that we necessarily want to um, activate, especially with it falling in the Northeast. Remember the Northeast is a sector that is associated with um, earth so the natal energy for that is earth and so it actually feeds and creates that uh, that metal energy and so it could be an area you add a little bit of blue color I don't talk a lot about adding color to sectors but this year you can add a little bit of blue color because I wouldn't add um, the real element of water we don't want to add that to activate the area but go ahead and, and stick out maybe you you know change the decor up maybe you add um, a blue rug some blue drapes or you know something like that so yeah totally add some blue color to the area or additionally you can stick in that salt cure and last but not least we have a flying star number five which does fall in the northwest so i think this really is one of the um, energies or one of the flying stars that has the most fear created around it um, so five is particularly a negative star however it can display some positive attributes sometimes but it is not an energy we want to purposely activate or, um, you know, agitate and aggravate. So we don't wanna, it's like poking a sleeping lion or, um, you know, waiting for a volcano to erupt. <laughs> so it's one of those type of energies. So flying star number five, actually this year, again, like last year with it being trapped in the center, this year it does visit the Northwest. Remember the Northwest is the element of metal. And so when we're looking at that five star, which is an earth energy, um, it's gonna be weakened by the natal palace of um, Northwest anyway. So honestly, I don't really feel like we need to worry too much about this, but this is an area you can place your seven coin charm or you can place salt water. So um, I did see a really good article that did um, say you do have to be careful about activating um, the Northwest with a seven coin charm. So do be careful um, about placing that there. There's certain criteria it has to meet for it to be active, but um, just to be safe, I really recommend placing that saltwater uh, cure there. And um, so, yeah, let's talk about what the saltwater cure is and when these energies are activated. So what if your bedroom or an important area of your home is in one of these sectors? Like, should you worry? Should you change bedrooms for the year? Um, in short, my answer is no. I have heard and I sometimes I hear feng shui masters say that you should move bedrooms if you're in the you know two flying star or the five flying star. 
However, um, I've also heard it said, and this has been kind of my experience, that when you have an established pattern of energy or chi, and you've been using that bedroom, you've been using the sector, you know, you use your kitchen a certain amount of time, you know, and come in and out of the same door, you're not going to have to change it. Um, that's not overly activated by regular movement in the area. So some things you want to avoid doing in these sectors really is just going to avoid like moving a lot of furniture around. You know, maybe it's an area that you're not going to want to, you know, um, kick up the chi and activate the energy and stuff like that. So maybe you just, you know, do some regular old cleaning in there, but you're not going to want to like, you know, redo, redecorate your whole room, you know, do a lot of stuff. It, again, flying stars are activated by motion and movement. So, you know, regular amount of movement's fine. Um, you know, small amount of furniture arrangement is fine, but I don't think we need to create fear and worry that we have to move out of an entire room each time the energies change, because I just, I don't think that's really viable. Again, we don't want to create fear around the flying stars. We want to use this energy to empower us. And I really think focusing on and enhancing, um, the North, like I talked about last week, and just really, setting our saltwater cures out, setting our seven coin charms out and absorbing that energy is going to help. Okay. So if it's um, at your front door, you're going to want to avoid just like slamming and moving and you know, the front door and all that too often. Okay. So if it's in your bedroom or your kitchen, again, set your cures out and you should be okay for the year. So the saltwater cure, um, how is it done? Let's take a look at this. Um, I'm really good about telling my clients to use this, but I'm sometimes not bad about telling you exactly how to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's really easy just to look up online though and find some different kind of recipes if you were. So what you really need is, um, six or seven coins. So you could do either one. Um, I like to say six coins. Um, but sometimes I do this with just the salt and the water. So not necessarily, um, needed. Okay. Um, a salt, uh, a jar. So I would do a jar. Um, I like to use mason jars cause they're easy to find. Um, I would do a larger mason jar because it does have to be enough to absorb the energy, um, for the square footage of the area that it is, um, being used for, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, sea salt. So you do want coarse sea salt and it is said that it does symbolize, um, the ocean. Okay. And of course, some water and it doesn't really necessarily have to be distilled or anything like that. The one thing that a lot of these sites don't say, and I've actually heard this from another, um, you know, fellow feng shui practitioner is that she likes to tie a red ribbon around the salt cure, um, to quote unquote activate it. Okay. So generally when you go to a temple and you pray or you get charms and stuff like that, um, they will give you a charm. Or they'll give you something like with a red ribbon, they'll tie a red ribbon around it. Um, especially if they, they do prayers, if you have like statues or deities that you, um, do pray to and you take it to the temple to get blessed, they will do something called the open eye on it. And the open eye again is done, um, with a chant and they do tie a red ribbon around it. So if you know how to do that, you can do that for the salt water also. Um, but additionally you can just tie that red ribbon around it to quote unquote activate it. Okay. So yeah, that's how you do the saltwater cure. I am going to put a link up in the show notes. Um, there's, I mean, basically if you look up feng shui saltwater cure, you can find it anywhere. I'll just include a link to, um, the spruce article. 
So remember, you're not going to want to put those out until after February 4th. So the energy of the year of the rabbit doesn't officially shift until February 4th um, is when that new energy comes in. We are a little bit limited on good dates in February. For some reason, the energy, um, there's just not a lot of good dates to like do feng shui activations or adjustments, but you do want to put those in on a good day. And I think there's a good day coming up on like the 5th and the 8th. So you can get those in pretty quickly. Um, you know, and just check back on my blog post. I do not know if I will have a yearly energy update where I talk about all these energies and show everything because honestly, I've been really sick for the past couple of weeks in between trying to um, get clients in and get uh, some other projects work done and work on the podcast. I've just been really struggling. So it might just, it might not go up, but February energy energy update will be up there and the good dates to place those cures out do um do remember that we need to take down all our cures and all our activations that we put up last year if you put any up last month you do want to take those down before february 4th you can take those down anytime okay all right, looking into our next segment, what do you do if your zodiac sign clashes the zodiac sign of the year? So this year we're going into, of course, the year of the water rabbit. It's a rabbit sign. So if you have a rooster in your zodiac chart, that does mean you have what is called a Taisoi clash or you're clashing the Grand Duke. So what does that mean? Like a lot of people, I think, get they hear this and they get concerned with it. So is there ways to negate the energy? Is there something we can do to... Um, you know, stop this clash? Should you really be worried? We're going to answer all these questions and look at all this in the um, upcoming segment after this quick sponsor break. The Tai Soi, also known as the Grand Duke of Jupiter, is one of the most important stars that a feng shui practitioner takes note of each year. This formula tracks the movement of the planet Jupiter through the passage of time, which is believed to influence the luck of those living on Earth. The luck of the Tysoi brings um, can be helpful or tumultuous, and when you have the Tysoi on your side, you enjoy mentorship, benefactors, and support luck. But when you confront the Tysoi, all kinds of difficulties can manifest, so you must never confront the Tysoi. It is considered an important feng shui update to take note of the location of the Tai Soi each year and to actively avoid facing him directly. And of course, I did talk about this on the um, part one of the yearly energies. We talked about the sitting and facing shawl. And of course, for 2023, this area is the east. So it's said you're not supposed to actively face east, um, especially if you're sitting in that location or um, not really location, but the direction for a year. So really, this is about the direction that you're facing. So it's said that if you directly face them, of course, again, we covered this before, that you are offending the Thai soy. So you do want to have your back to them. Let's start first with a lovely article here from worldoffengshui.com which I will link to in the show notes. It is called the Thai Soy Ruling the Year of the Water Rabbit. And this really talks about what the energy is that is governing the year. I'm gonna try and explain this by first uh, quoting the article I previously mentioned, and then I'm gonna explain or elaborate a little bit. So each year, the ruling Thai Soy takes on characteristics of a famous general, and his personality, background, and heritage is believed to control the tone of the year and how it will generally pan out. But 
the look each Thai soy brings is different. So there are 60 different Thai soys in all, one for each year of the 60 year cycle, which are the 60 different um, zodiac signs or um, referred to more academically as the 60 Chatsi. So remember, I referred to it as the Grand Duke Jupiter. So again, it's almost like this idea or personification of a deity that comes down for the year and the embodiment, the characteristics and like the traits he possess are what set the tone for us globally for the year. So a little bit about the Thai soy depiction for for this year, for 2023, um, it is a general name, general Pishi. I hope I said that right. So I'll just kind of read a little bit here. It says, this general was the son of another famous general who went by the name of Leather Leopard, which um, sounds kind of kinky. <laughs> So he was born uh, from a strong military legacy, and it was said that he um, was very fond of martial arts, and he had observed war strategies by watching his father, um, you know, this famous general, um, from a very young age. So it really became just really ingrained in him how to use this knowledge, you know, this martial arts and also this war strategy. And because of that, it is said that he is supposed to be um, really diplomatic. And of course, I think if we know, if you've ever um, studied any type of wars or any type of war strategy, or if you've read the book, The Art of War by um, oh crap, uh, Sun Tzu, that, <laughs> that you'll know that um, most time war needs to be avoided out and out conflict needs to be avoided you know we're not really one to just go in you know with uh with the guns blazing as it were so generally in war you want to take a diplomatic approach so it is said that he was a master at this diplomatic approach so according to this article here it does say that general pishi was an individual with strong physical and mental abilities and he was able to command large armies in skillfully maneuvering diplomatic and political problems as they arose so it says he was hardworking, industrious led by example blah 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 so how does that affect for 2023 how does that set the tone here so it does say here while the forecast for 2023 might not look easy it says that the Thai soy presiding over the year since it's general pishi it does indicate that there will be skillful and experienced leaders in charge who have knowledge, wisdom, and ability to find workable strategies and to stabilize even the most dire situations. So I do think that that is a good um, indication. Of course, we have a lot of um, stuff going on politically, economically, um, you know, it's just kind of carried on into the year. And so um, I, again, those situations I don't think are just going to disappear um, just even by the indication of the energy with the water and the wood that's that's kind of showing up for the year. So I don't think those situations will just disappear, but perhaps, you know, maybe we'll find a little bit more uh, reliability in our political leaders, especially worldwide, and maybe find at least some, some type of peace in stressful situations. So now look, let's look at what that means if you have the zodiac sign of rooster. I, you know, I, I, I tease that, right? Um, a lot of people do worry if they have a clashing zodiac sign that clashes the year. So again, if you have the rooster, you will have what is called clashing the Thai soy or the soy po. So the terms are kind of interchangeable there. So remember that when you have 
a quote unquote clash that the energies that combine with your zodiac sign will take away a clash. So I'll say that again. If you have a combining energy, it will take away your clash. So it, it, it completely takes that away, right? So I don't really feel like you have to worry too much because if we look at, you know, the, um, we follow the, the Tong Shu, the Chinese almanac calendar, and that shows us that, you know, as we go throughout the months, you know, we have different zodiac signs, of course, that govern the month. So if we look at the animal signs that combine with the rooster, we have the dragon, and then we have the snake and the ox. So already April, May, and next January 2024 are all going to be months that that clash is already taken away. So you already have three months where that clash is gone. Okay. So, um, you know, and then even looking at the days, remember that we can find the zodiac signs in each day too. All you have to do is like look on a, uh, what is called a Tong Shu or a Chinese almanac. You know, they have a lot of free ones online. So all you have to do is look at that and you can look at for those three animal signs within the, the, uh, the Tong Shu or the Almanac. And you can know that on those days that you have a combination and you don't have any clashes those days. Those are good days for you. Okay. So, um, alternatively you can activate these energies within your home. Remember that we can find all these Zodiac signs also within our home. Okay. Um, so if you need help with that, that is something I offer to do for free. Um, I do need a floor plan of the inside of your home. I do have some people sending me, um, floor plans at the outside, you know, just like a screenshot of the aerial view of their home, but I actually need it inside so I can map that out for you. And you can say, Hey, can you help me find my Zodiac signs? And I'll mark those spots within your home and you can, uh, activate them. Okay. So some, we can't activate some, we can, but you know, what we can do is, you know, we work with the energies we have. Okay. So if you still worry that this Taisoi energy can affect you or you worry about the clashing energy, there is actually a way to pray to the Taisoi. So I know I have some listeners in some different um, countries like Southeast Asian countries and you know, you go to a Buddhist temple and they have a Taisoi temple um, or they have a day that you can actually go pay respect to the Taisoi. And it does say here, I'll just kind of go over a little bit um, the ritual of it. So before doing it, you do take a bath and put on clean clothes. You do not eat meat or drink wine the preceding night. It does say one should pray to the Taisoi in the beginning of the Chinese New Year. It says here that the best date is January 8th. Um, according to the lunar calendar. So I'm not sure if this is an outdated article um, and the lunar date was a little bit earlier or if that's just kind of a general date. I'm not really sure. So um, it does say here that you'll be given different things like um, a piece of paper to write your name on. You'll put your birthday and um, you just, you know, you kind of, it's, it's like a little questionnaire you fill out. Um, and then you also will give an offering and you can actually do it at home too. And some of it does include burning uh, what's called Joss papers or burning um, incense sticks. So um, yeah, you can, you can do that. Um, there is ways to do it. I'm going to include a link on, um, there is a, a good article uh, on a Feng Shui Digest. It's very in-depth and it, it really goes in-depth and talks about what is entailed and how to do it. 
So if you really want to do it at home and you can't find a temple near you, you can do that too. So alternatively, it does say you can wear a lucky amulet to change the situation here. Um, I'm, and I'm linking all these articles that I'm reading from. It says the best Taisu amulet is the Pishu or Pishu. Um, in Chinese mythology, Pishu is the fierce creature looking like an, a lion with a dragon head and a horse body and unicorn feet. So you've probably seen him before. He's really popular to wear in little bracelets, but um, it is very similar to like a little Chinese unicorn. Um, and it does have like the one little horn on its head. It kind of looks like the food dogs with the mouth open. And it sometimes if you, you know, put inside your house also the, this piece you statue, you want it to be um, facing the, the energy of the Thai soy. So remember, we're not supposed to face it, but it is said you can put a piece you uh, facing the, um, the Grand Duke if you want to put something inside your home. It is also said that you can carry a coin or an amulet that has, um, you know, I talked about earlier the combining zodiac signs. So if you have a rooster, you can carry like a dragon or ox or a snake charm. Um, I will say though, if you do decide to carry a charm or you want to put a pishu, a little statue at your home or you want to wear the pishu bracelet or something like that to protect you, um, I really would suggest that you take it to a temple and do something called the open eye. You know, you ask for a priest to bless it and open the eye because if not, then it's just a charm or a statue or a, a coin, you know, you want to make sure that um, that it does have a blessing from um, some sort of uh, master, maybe like a Buddhist, uh, a priest or a Buddhist master or something like that, um, because then it is uh, considered to be like an active charm that is used for protection. If you don't do this, then again, it's just a little statue that is kind of cool looking in your home. <laughs> So one last thing I will add is that it's easy to create fear around, you know, thinking about clashing energy or, you know, there's negative things here, or there's negative things there. Or what does that mean for me? You know, but one thing I really like to do with this knowledge, I think, is that we can use it to empower ourselves. You know, we can say, hey, you know, I see this energy is there and I recognize that. What can I now do to either like neutralize it? How can I? Uh, use it, you know, how can I uh, use it to empower myself rather than, you know, feel like a victim of circumstance, you know, it really is a really big question when the year changes. That's probably the biggest question I get. What does this clash mean for me? So again, it's just, uh, it, it kind of depends where it falls in your, in your natal chart. Also remember that the year will impact our, our social circle. It's more of that type of thing impact on the community around us, maybe the way people are perceiving us. So it can impact that the month it can impact like our career. Sometimes it impacts our relationship with our, our parents because that is our, our parent pillar also. And then if we have the you know rooster in our day, in the day we're born, that can impact um, sometimes our health and our relationship with our spouse. And then if we have in the hour that we're born, that does indicate it could, if you have like a downline at work or you're the boss, that does symbolize um, your, like your subordinates. So people that answer to you. So if you are in a position of um, like management or if you're in a position where you're over people, uh, it could impact that, that aspect of, of work. And then it can also impact um, your relationship with your children 
but also it does uh, symbolize and um, indicate our thoughts and our feelings. So sometimes it may just be more of an effect of this is how we, f we feel than it is a true clash of like something really happening. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode um, next week. So we're going to start talking about the energy for um, February, which again will then officially be the year of the water rabbit. So we're going to look at what that energy looks like um, for February next week. Um, so a little quick announcement. Um, I know I've really been wanting to launch like a monthly Zoom call where I just kind of touch on certain subjects. Um, I, I don't know still if I want to, um, what I'm thinking is that for the end of February, I want to kind of look at some of these energies, um, that are coming in and maybe just talk monthly energies, have a little open zoom call. We can bring our floor plans and you can ask questions and we can look at, you know, Hey, is there an activation we could do this month? Or where does that fall out within my home? You know, things like that. So I don't know if you guys have any feedback on that, or if you have any suggestions, do email me. Um, email is always linked below. And then I do have a call in number that, um, I occasionally get calls on. So, um, yeah, that, that is open for Q and a also. So if you have any, uh, feng shui questions that you want featured on the show, and you don't have to, you know, have that recording included, but I will uh, pick that up and I can use it for a topic for like a Q&A show. I really like to do that. I've only done it maybe like once or twice before, um, but I really like to, to do the Q&A uh, shows because it kind of shows me, uh, you know, what you guys want to know. So if I know what you want to know, I can answer your questions. So yeah, let me know what you think if you have any feedback for me and I'll catch you guys next week with February energy update. For a free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes. To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends.